going. All right, good to be with you guys. Um, uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. You cool with that? Here we go. Um, who has heard of the name Von Miller before? So he's a defensive end for the uh, Broncos. It's like one of the best defensive players in the NBA. So I actually had the uh, privilege of going to school at the same time he did. We didn't really know each other. But he was like, coming out of school, he was like 6'3", 210, really fast, twitchy athlete from DeSoto, Texas, south of Dallas, not a great neighborhood, or like a great school district, but he had to go to college. And my buddy, I remember, I'll never forget my freshman year, like I'm, my friend, this buddy of mine, we're both big recruiting nerds. Like we follow college recruiting way too closely, especially back then. And uh, I, we definitely knew who Von Miller was because he was a four-star prospect in Texas A&M's recruiting class. And he showed me something like, check it out. I got Von Miller's number. I was like, what? What's going on? He's like, yeah, dude, he sells me weed. I was like, <laughs> okay. Fascinating. All right, so if you know Von Miller now, um, so here's what happened to Von Miller. I, I won't jump ahead that far. Um, but uh, something, something happened in Von's life. So he came on campus, like skinny, for a defensive end, 210 is like not very big. Some of you guys here are bigger than 210. You can take him out. But he's like, and he goes to A&M, and like, he plays some of his freshman year. And that was the freshman year was when my buddy had his, his name on his phone. He played a little bit, not much of an impact. Um, but then the coach at the time's name is Mike Sherman, actually, a good Catholic man. I would see him at Daily Mass on campus. Pretty cool. And some of the coordinators would be there. But uh, he, like, sat him down and was like, hey, like, you're, like, good. Like, really good. And you could actually be something if you actually wanted it. And as I'm sure more said that meeting. But something clicked and Vaughn during that meeting. And so he actually like, started to like, change his life. And so his sophomore year, he actually had more playing time. Um, junior year, he broke out with 17 and a half sacks. Senior year, won best linebacker in the country, which after second overall, became Super Bowl MVP, and had the highest paid contract for a defensive player ever in 2016 when he signed it. Like, from scared, confused freshmen selling weed on campus to like, heights he probably never even like imagined possible. Like let alone being drafted second overall. Let alone like becoming like the best linebacker in the country. Like and then Super Bowl MVP and then signing the richest contract for defensive player ever. This little kid from DeSoto, Texas. So why am I talking about Von Miller? Well what happened to Von from that meeting he like changed his entire mindset. And that's kind of I think what this I want to get at as we kind of approach this topic. Okay, I, I don't want to like come up here and like shit on you guys. Um, I don't want to like actually say a bunch of cool theological stuff, although there is some here that we will talk about. But that's not the point. The point is actually what is our mindset with regards to um, living in a life of the Holy Spirit? And the question I guess I pose to you guys like, is it worth it? And so if, if you have the right vision, so sitting down, each and every one of you has potential for greatness. Like, what, what does that look like, right? Like, what is like communion with the Lord, like living a life in the spirit. For all of us, we can sit here and like we give, you know, maybe heard too many youth group talks. We kind of sit here and you life in the spirit, yeah. Great. Yeah, life in the spirit. Sign me up. Whatever that is, let's do it. Sounds fun. Does it include brotherhood and eating squirrels? I don't know. You know, like it's, it's, it's not what we're talking about. Because see, Vaughn saw a vision, a worldly vision. And really, it maybe it was a vision inside of himself that we saw. He saw like actually I'm capable of more. I'm like, actually, I don't know where this, where this road ends, but I'm going to freaking chase it every day. So Vaughn changed who he hung out with. He changed what time he went to bed. He changed what time he woke up. He changed his approach to the weight room. He changed his diet. He changed how he spent his time. He changed how he watched film. 
he started stopped feeling bad for himself and started taking responsibility for his actions. And he just did that every single day. And the fact is, he was gifted, right? And his skill, combined with his work, brought him to heights he never thought imaginable. And that's what I think I have for, for us today, brothers, is like, by your baptism, you're destined for so much more. And that's what we're going to tap in and try to get a little bit of vision for as we start this talk. Um, so, this is a great line. Um, all of us here have a lot of potential, right? And something we were fond of saying back in, in Ethan Schindler was in household. This was a, a, football, a line from a football coach up in Putnam County. He said, potential is just a fancy word for you haven't done shit yet. <laughs> I love that because it, it, should, it should rub us a little bit. It's like, yeah, like, all you men here, you're still in college. Like, you haven't launched into the world yet, but you're going to launch into the world. you got a lot of potential. And that should kind of bug you a little bit. It's like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, what am I going to do about it? Like, well, how am I going to, like, lay down my life to set up greatness? How am I going to achieve and actually set myself up for this? So, um, I guess the question, um, good, yeah. This is, this is the hard one. So this, is, this is actually a, a paragraph written by Ethan Schindler. I'm going to drop on us. But this is kind of what we're talking about here. The heart of it all, okay? The Christian life. Life in the spirit, as we talk about in this course, is like the heart of it all. Like, Cutting right to the BS, right? No fluff. Here it is. It says, the heart of it all. The purpose of the incarnation of Christ and the entire divine economy. So like the purpose of like God breaking into history. Here, you ready for it? I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the heart of it all. And then continuing. This life that Jesus talks about, this abundant life, is nothing other than the very life of God. The uncreated, incorruptible, inexhaustible, inexplicable, transcendent divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity offered to us through the exigencies exigencies of time. I had to look that word up when I read this the first time. In the person of Christ through the spirit of the church. I read that sentence again. This life is the very, of course, is nothing other than the very life of God. The uncreated, incorruptible, inexhaustible, inexplicable, transcendent divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity offered to us through the exegesis of time in the person of Christ through the spirit of the church. And Ethan says, I mean this to sound like a big deal. We, who were dead in our transgressions and sins, have been and continue to be brought to life. Everything else is subservient to this, period. This is what makes us different from an activist agency advancing a particular, highly contingent agenda through human cleverness or deception, or for social or political gain. This is what makes us different from the Boy Scouts trying to make decent law-abiding citizens. This is what makes us different from an interest group on campus. God has taken the initiative by pouring his spirit into our hearts. This defining moment of history, making all other events laughable by comparison. I love that. And that doesn't like raise our vision for what's at stake here. Uh, I don't know what will. But like this is what we're talking about, brothers. So we were created to know God, right? To be like him and to be with him forever. We were created for the heights, for, vision, for like a life that we can't even really imagine as we're sitting in this chair right now. Same way like Vaughn couldn't imagine sitting in the chair of his coach's office. Couldn't even like know what was possible. And we now don't really even know what's possible in our lives. But there's like, we know the next steps. And that's what I want to get a little more clear on today. So there's no limit to the grace that God wants to pour into our hearts. Do we agree with that? There's actually no limit. What's the limiting factor? It's, it's us. Like God has given us everything. Actually, he tells us that in scripture. He says, everything I have is yours. So here's, here's, a, here's a fun little exercise. All right. Um, what if I, like, reach in my pocket, pulled out 20 bucks, and, like, hand it to you, no strings attached? You'd be like, sweet. Thanks, John. 
That's like, it's really helpful. Can you like, go buy lunch with someone now, right? Okay, what if I like, reach my pocket, pull out a $100 bill, hand it to you, no strings attached. You'd be like, wow, that's actually really helpful. What if I told you, hey, next month rent paid for on me? There you go. You'd be like, wow, I can do a lot with that. Okay, let's go further. Or what if I gave you $1,000? One thousand, like a check, cut it off, hand it to you. All right, five thousand. Five thousand dollars. You're like, man, I can take. Me and the household boys are going to Cabo for spring break. Let's go, <laughs> private jet. Right? That's great. Um, okay, what if I gave you thirty-five thousand dollars? You're like, Tesla. damn, that's a Tesla. That's a freaking Tesla right there. Yeah. Yeah, or three RVs. <laughs> I was thinking, brotherhood. Um, that's like what a chunk of America makes in a year. Just hand it to you right now. Okay, we're about seventy-five k. Just really strong starting salary. Like one time in your hand, there you go. Okay, keep going. Um, $250,000. $250,000 in your hand right now. You can like basically like put that away and retire when you're like 35 and live off that interest the rest of your life. Um, what if I gave you a mill? Five mil. You retire right now. You don't even need to work. Do whatever you want in the rest of your life. Live off that interest. Okay? 50 mil. 100 mil, 100 million dollars. You're like one of the richest people in the entire city right now. Okay, here's the, like all of that to like 500 mil, 750 mil, a billion dollars. Okay, here's my principle. Here's where I'm going with this. Like God, there's no limit to what God wants to give us, and He gives us like grace. He gives us gifts right now. Like your youth right now is a gift. Your time. You're in college. You have. You have. I mean, you feel like all the time, but you do have time, and you spend it somehow. How are you spending it? And here's the principle: if we're faithful in small things. We can be proven faithful in larger things. So God gives you like little gifts now. Five bucks here, 20 bucks there. And none of us here in this room, don't get me wrong, like we're destined to be spiritual billionaires, but you guys, we're all like working in like the triple digits here, maybe, right? You know, maybe some, maybe some not, like we're different, we're different levels, but we're like starting out this game right now. We're young. But the God always makes us spiritual billionaires, right? And billion, like, the problem is we kind of settle for like the 75K. We're like, wow, this is like way more than I can ever ask for God, and I'm cool, and I'm just going to like, coast. I'm going to spend this 75k and just like make it a nice life for me and then like we're just going to chill the rest of my life. We're like okay now. The guy like the thing is we have to spend, we, we spend it generously on others. We spend it generously on our brothers, on the Lord. On actually God what do you want me to do with this money? With this gift you've given me? He said okay I can trust you with more. And he gives us more. And again like all the way to the heights. And again all of us, maybe some of us even stop at 5 million. 5 million is a crap ton of money right? You can retire now. But he wants us to be billionaires. And five million compared to a billionaire is like laughable, right? If we just stop so short. And that's, that's Christianity today, brothers. You look around, look around the world, look around the country, really. People like get some grace from God. I, I, I have my security. I feel good about myself. And I just chill. I just shift it. I, and, you know, I'm just like cruising in like second gear, maybe. I think God has so much more for us. And I guess what I'm, one of my fears, my greatest fears is that we just, that here in this room, we all become, like, nice Christian boys, like, good people who hold the door open for others and pay our taxes on time and, like, you know, go to church on Sunday and, and tie their money, which is honestly more than we can say about a lot of Christians. Um, we just kind of sit there. We don't actually ask God, Lord, is there more in my life? That's my fear. Um, so God gives us stuff. The Bible has all kinds of stories about stewards. There's actually quite a few stories about stewards. You know what a steward is? It's like someone, not, not a household steward, okay? Um, like, a steward is... <laughs> Someone who, like, manages something. I guess a modern concept would be, like, your financial planner, right? They steward your money. 
You give them your money, and then they give you a return on your money, right? And if they suck, you fire them, right? But who knows? Um, I have a whole, some behavioral economic stuff on that, um, but we won't go into that now. Um, but we've been given a gift, brothers, that is not our own. We've been given a gift that is not our own. We exist not because we willed it. We're in this room not because, like, like sure, you guys maybe, like, worked hard in high school, but the fact that you even went to a high school that allowed you to be here is one thing. Born into the family you were born in, that's a gift. Having the brain you have, gift. The opportunities you've had that you actually said yes to, so praise God, like, you did, like you're not just, like, a passive observer in this. You've done stuff. But this is a gift. And what are you going to do with it? If you spend it on yourself, you just kind of you kind of shift down, you just kind of just chill, flatline. If you spend it on others, we look, okay, God, what do you have for me here? How can I spend this on you, Lord? What do you have? And asking them that question and taking it serious, that's when things get good. So the good steward takes what is given to him and gives back more to the master. We see that story in scripture, right? The good steward, he doesn't bury what's given to him, right? That's you know that story too, the talents, the, the parallel talents, right? Um, the guy who buries it is called a foolish and wicked servant, right? God is looking for a return. And that's up to our um, disposition, mindset, and also ingenuity, our effort, because we've given free will. So we can't get lazy and pick up the slack at the end because the fact is, like, when we invest more now, we get more dividends later, right? We know that. Um, I won't go too much. We've got to keep moving. Um, so recap, we're called to the heights, to be spiritual billionaires, right? Not just 75K. So... We're called to like live out as major players in the church, our communities, our families. And we all have this capacity inside of us. By virtue of our baptism, we have the very life of God inside of us. And that, needs, that is God just begging to be unleashed in our lives, to impact those around us, right? To transform us and those around us. So, but here's the thing. Here's the catch. We have an enemy, right? This isn't just like coast to the finish line. Yeah, Lord, more. Let's do it. We have an enemy. And what's the enemy... We're going to focus on today is the flesh. It's the same enemy Von Miller had. When he was a freshman, getting to campus, he was a big man. He was a big, he's a four-star. He was on a football team. He's a guy who's, I mean, he's probably like, Tommy, like, you know, he's walking around freshman year, he's probably 220, pretty built, low body fat, 6'3", good-looking guy, um, parties, whatever. I know most of you are probably, like, doing a ton of weed. But, like, it's the same enemy that he had is the same enemy we have. It's the enemy to unleashing the greatness that God has for us, because it's the flesh. So what is the flesh? Here's a definition for us. Um, it's not our physical bodies, okay? It's not like, I'm thirsty, it's my flesh is ripping me out. It's not necessarily that. <laughs> what we're talking about here is our fallen and sinful human nature that has distorted desires and a broken understanding of what is good. We even add here, our flesh is what distracts us from striving for the high ideal. It's what stops us from asking for more. It's what causes us to coast. Say, I'm good. I'm going to take care of me now. I'm going to build my castle now. I need to have my life now, and it's all about me, right? And making me comfortable and what's good for me. It seeks what is contrary to God in an attempt to find satisfaction. I'll say it again. It seeks what is contrary to God in an attempt to find satisfaction. Um, I love this. Romans 8. Guys, if you want something to pray with, geez, dig in Romans 8. It's, it's amazing. Um, I'm going to read some of it here for us. I find it. Um, here we go, starting at verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. We all know that. We know that experience. We know when it's about me, I'm in me mode. What does that look like in your life? Is it like, um, 
Well, I'll see what it looks like in my life. Um, it looks like me coming home and getting pissed at the kids because <laughs> they're wild. And my three-year-old is nuts. I love her. Ellie is her name. Um, and then Roland, the one-year-old, just like gets into everything. Like you, you get him away from one outlet, you put him somewhere else, and he goes and like rips down like the cupboard with the like stuff inside of it. And then he goes to the bookshelf and like shakes it. So about to fall on him. If you haven't nailed it to the wall yet, it's another story. And I just, I'm just like, what are you doing? I get pissed at that. Um, it looks like me being selfish with my time. Um, like actually, like so sometimes there's opportunities in front of me to help. And I'm just like, I don't feel like it right now. Or there's an adventure. There's some people who guys, hey, we're going out. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, ah, no, I'm just going to stay here and do nothing on YouTube. Um, it looks like me losing sight of the greatness that God has for me and just zeroing in on me and my life. Um, for you guys, I mean, it could be like video games, right? That's a huge one. Um, like, again, video games at times can be a helpful tool, but if it's something we're doing every day and like to wee hours of the morning, like, how do you feel when you're done with that? Do you put your controller down at like 2 a.m. and you're like, oh, I am so full. God, you're so good. Thank you. Or we just like, shit, it's 2. I need to go to bed. <laughs> you know? Um, could look like um, sleeping during the day. Like naps. I take naps sometimes. If we like, sleep for like four hours during the day, do we wake up so like, God, glory to you, Lord. Here I am. Or are we like, damn it. That was four hours. <laughs> I just missed a class. Um, or damn it, I have to go to class. I can't believe I can't keep sleeping. And we don't wake up from that full, right? And like, we know that in our experience. It's not like, it's like, like our conscience are like pricked, right? We're not full. And that's our flesh dragging us, and rightfully so, us feeling it in our like, souls that like, this is not it. It's like something's missing here. Um, so I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. More, I don't, more for me, more for me. Uh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the, flesh, on the Spirit is life and peace. That's pretty strange. Paul doesn't pull any punches here. To set the mind on the flesh is death. <laughs> but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But then he goes on to say, But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God really dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his Spirit who dwells in you. So, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So we actually, here's the good news, we don't actually have to live this way. We don't, like, if God, the God of the universe has our backs. If, okay, this is, this is really important. Like, if God the Father, like, knows you intimately and loves you and like, wants you to thrive, wants you to be a spiritual billionaire, he is going to provide for what you need. So when we grasp at these temporal things, we grasp at things that are unhelpful, we're actually just, we're not going for what will satisfy. Because we have to be convinced, brothers, that like God satisfies our hearts. When we're like, I just imagine, just encourage you to think right now, imagine like, when are you thriving in life? When are you like, when do you feel alive? When are you like, yes, God, life is good and God, you are good. What are those moments? Usually after something adventurous with the guys, um, a late night conversation with a guy who needed you, 
and you were there for them. Um, it could be like a really solid household dinner where some rowdiness happened. It could be eating squirrels. Um, it could be cooking squirrels for your roommates and doing something cool like that. Like a bit, you know, Paul felt pretty alive after like that su- incredibly successful endeavor. Um, it could be after worship, adoration, prayer, mass, confession. Um, it could be after a great prayer time you had. I'm like, what are these things? And like, this is like, this is God trying to get our attention. Like, hey, like, this is it. Like, when you sit down and actually get your work done and don't dick around, you get it from it, like, damn, that was good. That was an extremely productive time. Um, contrast that to what sucks life from you. What do you get done with? And you're like, damn it, that was not it. But if we're honest with ourselves, right? And, it's, and sometimes it's, I think maybe we have to do a little soul searching here to kind of maybe admit to ourselves, like, yeah, that, that wasn't it. Um, like, few extra beers. Wake up next morning, like, damn it, what was that for? Um, could be um, easy one, porn, right? Forehand, great idea. Afterwards, damn it. Like, that clearly wasn't it. <laughs> that was not what my soul was longing for. I was deceived. Um, masturbation, same deal. Um, selfishness, like, hey, we're going out to go do some on campus. You want to come with us? No, I'm going to stay here and just do nothing. And we do nothing. Guys come back. They're laughing, high-fiving, had a great time. You're kind of like, damn it. Like, I kind of missed out on something there. Um, so just some like, ideas for us. So, um, okay, we need to define the spirit. So we need to define the flesh. <laughs> Probably could have done that before all this conversation. But what is a spirit? The spirit is a regenerated humanity that has been healed by God and knows what is truly good and true. It's a regenerated humanity that has been healed by God and knows what is truly good and true. Um, this is a great line here. It says, constituted with properly ordered anthropology and ascending priority from our body, soul, spirit. Okay, we're not going to dig too much into that. But basically what it means is you understand who, what, what we're made for. Like we're made for God forever and eternity to worship him, to be with him. Like that's our highest good. It doesn't mean you should be in the church 24-7. It's not what I'm saying. That when we live in existence, like saying yes to the Lord, yes to the Spirit, and living in the Spirit, we experience his unleashing in our life. And it gets better and better. What happens is God gives us grace, and we spend it on him. Well, what do you have for me? Live in the Spirit. He gives us more and more and more, and incrementally we grow. Right? That's how it works. And we're trusted with more. And the like, responsibilities in your life are coming that are going to be more real. Like, going to get a job. You know? You're going to have people under your authority. You're going to have people you're caring for. You're going to have a community you're part of, a parish you're part of. I'm going to have neighbors. Like, how are you blessing? How are you pouring out? How are you in- enhancing their lives, right? Or is it just about you and your little castle? Um, go. So, our vision, so in the Spirit, our vision is cleared and enlivened by the Holy Spirit, synergizing with our own Spirit. And the synergize is what I'm talking about when you feel alive. That's, that's the Holy Spirit getting our attention. He's clicking with us. The Spirit, against the flesh, seeks God as a source of happiness. Jesus displaces Satan as its Lord of our life, which is a strong statement. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes here, make sure I don't forget anything. Um, I think we're good. So, what time is it? All right, we're going to keep moving. So here's the thing. Uh, the flesh is at war with us. I'm going to read Galatians 5. So here, this is, again, like, getting to, like, the difficult part of this is, like, this isn't just, like, we're all sitting here in this room, like, maybe some of us are like, geez, like, I don't know if I can, like, do this. It sounds kind of heavy. 
it sounds like too much. Like, how do I just like live on cloud nine all the time, John, and be happy? Not exactly what I'm talking about. There's a battle here, right? And battles are won incrementally, and there's setbacks. But the thing about us is we get back up. And the church is, like, understands that. God understands that. He's not, like, wagging his finger at us, but he's like, so imagine this. Uh, imagine if, like, our, our walk with the Lord was like a ping pong game, okay? We're, like, 501. And God hits back, like, 502. And then, like, we, like, slam 503. And he's like, 504. And it comes back to us, and we just, like, whoop, whiff. Right? And whatever that is. Maybe it's, like, we had a bad week. And we just, like, totally lost track of prayer. We missed mass, uh, masturbation, pornography. Um, maybe we, like, got pissed at a brother and yelled at him. Um, whatever it is, we just hit, we hit a low point. And we're like, we just feel like the shame. Like, God, I blew it. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm sorry. If we're honest with ourselves, we can tell it to the Lord. And he's like, hey, you're my son. I love you. It's okay. Let's keep going. So we, like, get over ourselves to pick up the ball, and we say one. And he catches it and he goes, no, no, no. We were on 504. Because, like, us as men, we so often think that, like, life with God is, like, we're making progress, and then we, like, screw up. And it's like, okay, back to square one. Okay, trying again, trying again, trying again. Oh, screw up. Oh, damn it, back to square one again. Uh, and, like, what happens there, if you, that's exhausting. You quit. There's no point to, like, that's a, that's a losing game. So if you're, if you're perfect the rest of your life, you can reach the spiritual heights. Not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we get up and we fight every time. We realize what's wrong. We go to confession. We, we actually ask for forgiveness in that moment because God can forgive us in that moment. You know, we just have to be in that. And then confession reconciles us with the church. I don't know if you guys know that. But, like, if you, like, like the classic one is, like, you, you, send, you masturbate, right? Or look at porn. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Confession's not for, like, four more days. Damn it. I, I have to, like, be dirty for four days. So I might as well, like, then, like, you know, later, later the next day, you're like, well, might as well. Confession's in three days. So you, like, binge again, right? That's the classic one. The fact is, like, in that moment when we, when, we, when we fall, we can ask the Lord for forgiveness, and we are sure to that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, like, that mortal sin is, like, you're, like you're, you're, like, back in communion with God. Now, like, being in communion with the church, you've got to go to confession. And we receive graces and awesome. Praise God. Powerful sacrament. Yes. But, like, you don't have to, like, wait to, like, be reconciled with God to go to confession. Like, you can receive that there. That's, like, what the church teaches. I'm not just, like, saying that. That's, like, a real thing. Can you back me up on this, Thomas? Sure. There's some more, <laughs> there's some more difficult language here. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, like, God's not like, well, you got to wait till Saturday for me to forgive you. That's not our father. He's like, hey, I'm here for you. Let's get, it's, it's 5.05. Like, let's keep going. And then we go to confession. We get reconciled with the church, and then you can receive communion. So you can't receive communion in that spot. But when we go to confession, we can go after you mortally sin, right? But um, this, is, this is, like, this is really important. Anyways, we're going to keep going. Um, so the flesh is at war with us. So here is um, Galatians 5, 16. You guys have heard this, but it's so good. But I say, but I say, not me, Paul. This is Paul. But Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. I love that. <laughs> the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. But these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are plain. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, funny story, uh, it says in here, party spirit, and I had a buddy one time talking to his mentor, and he was like, I just, I said, like, this guy's in this chapter, they're just, like, really struggling with the party spirit, and he was like, 
what do you mean by that? He's like, you know, they're just like going out all the time and like hitting the bars and stuff. He's like, that actually means like party spirit is in like factions. Like, you know, like my party against your party, like tribalism. It doesn't mean like, woo, party spirit. He was like, oh, okay. That's, that's captured in drunkenness and carousing. But anyways, we continue. Um, so, so brothers, the flesh is at war within us, right? We feel this. We experience this pull. So what do we do? We spend our time, energy, passions on the Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? Right? This is great. This is Galatians 6. He says, the one who sows for his flesh will reap corruption for the flesh. The one who sows for the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. This is exactly what we're talking about. It's spending, our, spending what God gives us on, this, on, on him, on the Lord, on our brothers, on what's good, on what's right, on the next thing. And we don't worry about 10 years. We worry about where we got here. And what happens is we see our life expand. We see our, we see our trajectory in life, our launch angle in life, when you guys leave here, becoming more vertical, right? As opposed to just kind of like scuttling along the ground when you launch out of here, but actually like soaring a little, right? Because we're just faithful. We're consistent. We're day in, we're day out. We're spending it on the Spirit. And we see those dividends come in. We see those returns come in. The Lord takes us, and we get to know him better. So this is, again, this isn't plug and play. Every day requires choices, and each choice builds on itself. And this life we live, it's hard. I'm not, I'm not here, like, staying in front of you as a perfect person who's figured this out. I'm saying you as a brother who's in the, in, in the midst of the struggle with you, right? Like, I've fallen. I try to get back up as fast as I can. That's, like, one of my things in life. When, when we fall, we get back up as fast as we can. We reorient God. What went wrong? What happened there? Why did I choose something that I know is not going to bring me closer to you. I know it's not going to bring me towards what I'm created for. What happened here? And we refocus. We, uh, I love another great tool is praying with a brother in that moment, especially in a fight um, in my life, um, especially early in my 20s, the fight in impurity in household, guys. Um, if I felt in impurity, I would t- grab a brother and I'd ask him to pray. And I would just, in Jesus' name, I reject the, the, um, the sin of lust. I reject the lie that pornography makes me happy. I reject the lie that masturbation is actually something that I yearn for. And Jesus, I just refocus on you and say, God, you're, I'm created for you. I yearn for you, and you're my father, and you love me. And I thank you for that truth. Amen. And the brother just kind of confirms that prayer. Bless him, Lord. Amen. It's like literally that easy. I can't tell you how powerful it is to, loose, to release the darkness in your life or like the shame or whatever is hitting you at that moment. Take some balls, but it's a really powerful thing for us to do as brothers. Um, so this life is hard. Romans 8 even says, we groan in this life as a woman in labor. Not that we will ever know what that's like. But it's, you can tell it's just like, it's like we're here. We're experiencing God's spirit, but we're just like we're not perfectly there. Like God's, God's kingdom is here, but not yet. Right? It's here, but not yet. It's, it's a both and. Right? I don't expect you to conceptualize and perfectly understand that, but it, just realize like God's power is here, but we also groan for the eventual time where actually there will be no more sin. It will be cast out. We will be perfectly aligned with God's will, and we will be freed from this battle that we fight. It's not going to be like this forever. Um, in heaven, it's taken. Um, but this, this, this battle we're in, it's a spiritual one against spiritual enemies, right? Like there's actually demons in this flash that actually don't want you to live in the spirit. So they, they tempt you, right? Um, we'll get on that in a second. I'm going to keep going. So, um, so what's up with sin? We're going to focus on sin a little bit here. So what's up with sin? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's Romans 6. Um, John 3 says, whoever believes, in the Son, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. So what is sin? 
Sin is an offense against reason, truth, and right conscience. It's a failure of genuine love for God and neighbor caused by a perverse attachment to certain goods. It wounds the nature of man and injures him, injures human solidarity, so it injures our relationship with each other. It has been defined as an utterance, a deed, or a desire contrary to the eternal law. Um, sin is offense against God, right? We, we know this. We've heard this. Um, basically, sin's, sin is us grasping. That's, that's how I understand my life. Sin is me grasping and stuff. I'm like, I have a need, right? And I have a desire. And I say, I'm going to just, God, I know you're God, and I know you know everything, but I'm just going to, like, do this really quick, and this is what's going to help my problem because I don't think you can really fill this hole, and you don't really have an answer for this problem. So I, like, grasp onto it, and then... Sometimes it's things that are more subtle, like sports, for instance, and that can kind of carry us through a long time in life. When we wake up six months later, like, man, I am reading three hours of sports a day and watching that much as well, and this is not doing it. And God kind of lets us realize, like, hit a point where, like, this is not doing it for me, right? That's an idol. Um, it could be all the other things we listed, the sins of the flesh, video games, porn, um, wrath of our brother, control, whatever it is. We grab onto these things, and we know that, like, we grab it, and that's not actually what gives us life. Um, so like the first sin, it is disobedience, a revolt against God through the will to become like God's. So controlling my own life, like building my own castle. Like I want to keep others out and have my own perfect life with my white picket fence and my smoking hot wife and my Tesla. Which, <laughs> you have Tesla. It'll be 25K in a year. It'll be like a Honda Civic. Um, and uh, like my own little perfect life. And I want to like keep out all chaos, all things, and just go on Facebook and get mad at political stuff. Um, so sin causes, again, you know, sin causes our spiritual separation from God, neighbor, and ourselves, which leads to spiritual deadening on earth and eventually eternal death. So sin, it doesn't just hurt, like, us. Like, yes, we're talking about it hurts us in our relationship and, like, what we're actually yearning for, but it hurts our brothers. Have you seen that happen? Like, um, if you're, like, through your own choices excuse me, like in a really low spot and you're just like a dead weight in the house, that's affecting your brothers. If you're sulking, that's affecting your brothers. It's like, hey, something's off and your poor attitude is actually like kind of bringing down this collective um, community. Um, and then actually, um, it's a separation from God as well. So, how sin happens? This is a little bit... Um, I'm just going to go over this quickly, but this is, this is some good stuff here. So something occurs like a temptation, right? Or a thought. And thought here, um, there's some Greek word here, logismoi, logismoi, whatever. Uh, the thought here is it's more than just like a cognitive sentence. It's like, it's more, it's bigger than, it's like, it's like emotional as well. We've all experienced that emotion. You see like, you know, some smoking hot girl with a midriff, you're kind of like, it's more than just a thought. It's kind of like, sometimes like a, oh, you know? So there's like an emotion attached to it, right? But this temptation, this thought happens, right? And the thought may be true or it may not be true, right? Maybe like, that's a beautiful woman, which is a true thought, okay? But then you see the temptation's kind of here. We have, we have a decision point. This is where we have to engage our will. Do we go to like, man, that's like, do we kind of linger on it and sit with it and maybe stare and maybe let some other thoughts come up and like gravitate towards this? Or are we like, God, thank you for beauty. Jesus, I desire you. We kind of go in the other direction, right? You see that there's like, there's like decision points. The temptation's not bad. But that's like the point of decision for us. Do we engage our will? Do we kind of like coast over here? And then we know what happens next, right? We go to our room. We're stressed. We're tired. It's late. That thought comes back into our head. And the fact is we already have momentum in this direction. Unless we actually like 
come back over here, we're just we're going off the cliff, right? And then we got to kind of get back up again, right? And we're not starting from point one again, but some progress. We, uh, we lost some opportunities there in the meantime. Um, temptations can be from the world, playing under evil passions, directly from demons, from our memory, imagination. Sometimes imagination and memories come up. They may experience that. Temptations are, in, are inevitable in life. The goal is not to be free of them, per se, um, but to resist them, like we said. Um, so once we have a temptation, we make a plan for how to respond. We begin acting on our ascent to sin. So we respond by going through our plan or rejecting it. Okay, we either like go with or go against. Um, this is this is good. Um, the patterns of our thoughts and actions are indicative of our life in the flesh or in the spirit. So we want to see how we're doing right now. We can kind of look at that. Like, how am I going against? these temptations. Am I going against temptations in my life, or am I just like free-flowing in this direction most of the time? So if we're going against temptations, we're actually seeking to live in the Spirit. Like, God, what do you have here? Jesus, you can fill me. God, you have so much more. My vision's expanded. Over here, we're small-mindedness, we're grasping, right? And we actually see how our life in the Spirit is doing. Um, so we've heard of the seven deadly sins, right? You guys heard of this? Um, there's actually an order to them, which is pretty cool. Um, but these are like vices. These are like habits of sin, right? That can be rooted in us. They're contrary to God's plan. They're of the flesh. So understanding our patterns of sin reveals where we have distorted vision or spiritual sickness, right? And need to be healed so we can learn to live by the Spirit and not of the flesh. So I'm going to read these out. I just want you to like, just come away Spirit. Just ask the Lord, like, are there one or two of these that you want to stick out, you want to stick out right now that may be like a vice in my life? So something that's like more prevalent, something that I turn to more often when I feel that, that grinding, that emptiness. Let's just ask the Lord, and I'm going to read them, and you can just write them in your notes. Um, these are in order, um, ascending order of severity and ascending order of purification. So one, gluttony, a fixation with physical pleasures, food, alcohol, sleep that enslaves us. We become slaves to our physical desires, rendering us unable to respond to the call of God and others. Two, lust, strong sexual or passionate desire for something holding on to the temptation and savoring it in our mind. We lose control of our minds, and we offend the dignity of our sisters. Greed, an obsession with money, material possessions, and, or honor. Or honor. We grasp at them, claiming what is God's and neighbor's for ourselves, trying to build our own safety net, our own castles. Sloth, or sloth, refusing to meet the demands of love, more complex than being, it's more complex than being a couch potato. But we give up the race and settle for what is comfortable. Like, ah, this sounds like too much. Maybe if you're right now in this talk, like, this sounds like, I don't even know how I can begin to do this. Maybe, like, there's some attack there in your life on sloth. Envy. Being sad, annoyed, or indignant, or resentful, when another gets something good. We make our brothers or our sisters, mainly our brothers, our enemies, and deny that God can give how he pleases. Six is wrath, strong feelings of anger, annoyance, or displeasure. They can blaze up interiorly, break out in word or deed, be held over for days or seasons. It seizes the mind and blinds us, making us unable to discern what is good or bad. And finally is pride, thinking ourselves excellent or better than others, even God. This is a rejection of God's sovereignty and our need for a savior. So virtue, right? Vice, we talk about vice. Virtue is when our hearts are healed, 
and we see as God does, right? We see actually what our hearts yearn for, and we choose that. We begin to think and act in a new way in the spirit. Virtue is a counter device. It is built through prayer, purification, examine, and practice, effort. Um, God meets us there and heals us. All right, going to the final lap here. Pull my notes, finish up. Okay, um, so this is like Stephen said. I'm kind of I'm kind of the bad news guy today. Um, hopefully, there's something here that's it's stirring, right? We're gonna get more on like the victory of this in a couple weeks um, with Father Como speaks. But what I want to say to us today. Um, this isn't just about like moral improvement, so you can be a better person. This is about transformation of your entire life. Like when we talk about like moving kind of spiritual billionaires, it's not just that we have a bunch of money; it's that we become different people. So the man that Von Miller is today is unrecognizable from that scared, confused, pot dealing freshman. Like if they met each other, they wouldn't like they wouldn't they would just be like a completely different person. They'd be shock and awe. Same way you sitting in this room right now. Me and yourself, 15 years from now, can be a completely different person. Heck, five years from now. Right? But it's slow growth. It's steady growth. And it's not always something we like, readily see and acknowledge, because we're our harshest critics sometimes, especially some of you in this room that I know for a fact. Um, but other people can experience us and see us as a completely different person, more peaceful, more generous, more magnanimous, uh, more center on the Lord, more free. All those things, completely different people than we are right now. This isn't just, you know, I'm not just, this isn't like do good things so you can be a good Christian boy, but this is about spiritual transformation. That's what God's about. Making us, having us become like Jesus. That's the high ideal. That's what we're soaring to, to the heights. Um, so I don't want us to like think of this that way. So, um, again, like I don't, yes, I don't really care what a great Christian you are right now. I don't care if you're a crappy Christian right now. What I care about is five. 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years from now. Where are you? How are you positioned in life? What choices have you made to brought you to that point? Have you been generous? Have you given God back what he's given to you? Have you spent it on the spirit? Or have you spent it on the flesh? Because your life is going to show that. Um, well, I, was, I was talking to um, brother today, just lamenting how there's like a gap in the church of just like, there's a generational gap. Really, it's our whole society besides the church. There's a society. We just like, don't hang out with like, old men on the front porch and drink beer with them. And, and a problem with that is we don't sit down with men and we don't hear them talk about how worth it it is. We don't sit down with a 70-year-old who's like poured out his entire life. We don't get to talk to a World War II vet who did something heroic for his country. We only to talk to these men who've laid it all on the line and tell us like every single decision I made for others was worth it times 10, times 100. Like, and that, brothers, I guess, as a humble 31-year-old, uh, I haven't lived much more life than you guys, but it's worth it. It's all worth it. When we go all in, when we send it in life, right? When we are generous to the Lord, it's worth it. And I think we don't hear that enough. So, and here's the thing. God is, like, working all this out. It's not just a you story. It's not just, like, you figure it out. You got this. It's all on you. God's spirit is at work. God wants to elevate. This is his work. But make no mistake, we cooperate with it. We put in our effort as well. It's this both and thing, right? It's not just me. It's not just God. It's, his, it's both. But God gives the growth. And we go all in and we wait for him to act. And he elevates us and he transforms us. Um, 
And brothers, this is the only pursuit worth going after. There's a lot of pursuit out there on campus. Campus, whatever it is. Right? There's a lot of pursuit out there. Like, there's some freaking driven guys in that business school, in that engineering school. And they're going all in for their kingdom, for their money, for their prestige, for their honor. And if we just had a few men in the church who made that decision for the Lord, it would look completely different than it does right now. And this country is being transformed. God's pouring out his spirit in a generous way that we, I, we haven't seen in generations. It's alive. He's moving. He's acting. He's raising up men who can offer that kind of sacrifice, and he can make spiritual billionaires to have an impact and bless those around them and elevate their parishes, their communities, their cities, their families, their states, the nation, and the world. And that's what's on, on stake for us today. Cool. Praise God.